Hello and welcome to Fincia's podcast. My name is Ben Hamilton, Senior Relationship Manager at Fincia, and I will be facilitating today's podcast. Our guest speaker today is Simon Culhane, Chief Executive of Chartered Institute for Securities and Investment, or the acronym CISI. Simon was appointed Chief Executive in May 2004, having previously worked with a number of blue-chip financial companies and in central government. His previous role was at Deutsche Bank, where he worked as Director, Chairman's Office, Global Investment Banking. Welcome, Simon, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about CISI? Well, CISI is, in many respects, pretty similar to Fincia, just that we're about 12,000 miles away. And we're not as old as you. Our institute was formed in uh, 1992, came out of the London Stock Exchange. But like you, uh, it believes in professionalism. And our agenda or description of professionalism is those people who have knowledge, skills and behaviour. So we offer all three component parts. So that's the qualifications. And then we offer the skills through CPD and continuous learning. And we also offer quite a lot of work on behaviour, particularly integrity. Last year, over 40,000 exams were taken, uh, of which 16,500 were taken outside the UK. And we now have offices in uh, eight other countries, and our exams are recognised in 47 jurisdictions. Uh, Last year was also good for membership, and we're finding more and more people want to become members. They want to be professionals. So we now have 25,000 professional members and another 20,000 student members. Uh, Now, you last visited us in August of last year. And how are you finding your trip this time around, other than the change in weather, of course? This trip's been very busy. We've visited uh, five cities in six or seven days. But the number one topic is all about the Royal Commission Integrity Professionalisation. That has come up at every single meeting. And we've run four seminars of our rather unique Integrity at Work seminar. They've been very well attended, and the discussion has been fantastic. And when people have seen this, they want to say, they're saying to us, can we bring that to our firm? And I'm delighted that uh, Finch is going to be running these from now on. And really, the timing is terrific. Uh, we've been doing this for eight, ten years, these seminars. And we found a few years ago, we started to get board level attention. First of all, it was hard to get anyone's attention. And I think the same is happening here in Australia. A few years ago, it was sort of much lower agenda item. Now it's the hot topic uh, of the week. Absolutely. And as you touched upon, Fincia's mission is, of course, to professionalise the financial services industry. Um, What is the UK experience with that journey to professionalism? It's still a work in progress. Bits of it are and bits of it aren't. So if you give financial advice, for example, in the UK, you now need to have an annual statement of professional standing. And that means that you'll need to have a piece of paper given by a professional body, and you can choose which professional body, that confirms that you have A, qualifications, B, you've done a 35 hours of continuous learning, CPD, and thirdly, that you have a good disciplinary record. So those three component parts of what I described as the CISI's mission, actually, is now enshrined in legislation. And if you don't have that statement of professional standing, you can't work. So that is one part of the professionalising uh, the industry. However, other areas like the wholesale market, I mean, it's not really too rough to say it's a bit like the Wild West. They uh, have a much lower level of examination requirements than the retail market does. They have no CBD requirements and they have no uh, compunction or push to join a professional body. And it's quite noticeable. The Bank of England governor is already making noises to why is that disparity? How, how can that disparity continue? And after all, we look around the various scandals, uh, as many have been in the wholesale side as there have been the retail side. 
And um, for the investment banks, they've been fined £250 billion as a result of the global financial crisis, mainly for wholesale failings. So I'd say bits of it are working well, and bits of it there's more work to come. Okay, and on that, how would you compare what you've seen happening here in Australia um, to that, and also over your recent visits? Do you know, there's a terrible echo here in the sense that what I'm hearing and seeing as I'm talking to people about the Royal Commission and how it's happened is just so familiar with what we had in the UK five, six years ago. Um, it's interesting, you know, people are saying, well, what suddenly happened? I think uh, that when we had the financial crisis in the, in the, in the West, Australia didn't have it. And uh, I think you rightly you could pat yourselves on the back and think we haven't got a problem. And the banks weren't seen to be the villains because the banks were seen to be the villains very much in, uh, in the UK and uh, in America. And as, when they were the villains, the media then really turned the spotlight on and uncovered loads of, uh, of bad practices, you know, like uh, uh, selling people for products that they didn't know they were being bought or not, or charging them for things that they didn't charge or for fixing interest rates. Now, fast forward a few years, and what is, what's, what's coming out here in Australia? Exactly the same thing. And maybe it's because, actually, the media and others have... The honeymoon's over. People have said, oh, wait a minute, there is a drip, drip of problems coming out, camouflaged by the fact, or helped by, I think, not having the same problem that we had in 2007, 2011, possibly because your mining resources really boomed the economy, and people didn't get so concerned. Now I think uh, the media are saying, and the politicians, the trust has gone from banks and everything they do is being put under a spotlight. I don't suspect it, they ever changed, actually. It's not worse. It's just that people are now looking at them in a different light. Pretty much how they looked upon the banks in the West uh, at the end of 2007-2008. You've been running a series of Integrity Matters workshops um, through which you use real-life examples of situations that would test an individual's ethical behaviour and integrity. Um, how have these workshops been going? Been very good reaction, very good feedback, and they've fully participated. I mean, these workshops are very interactive. People get involved, they discuss, they debate, they vote, they argue, they shout. It's really quite something. Um, and when they come from that, we give them, they will have learned uh, actually a little tool or two that helps them deal with uh, real life dilemmas in the future. And people find that really handy. So they've been very successful uh, and so successful that actually uh, Fincher has been inundated with requests for delivering this into those, these people's firms, which uh, I'm sure there's going to be worked on. Absolutely. And um, I think interestingly as well, people, I think, like to think that they are of ethical standing, and, but unfortunately it's not so black and white. There's a lot of grey area as well. That, I couldn't agree more with you. We, we actually write these case studies every six or eight weeks and they're based on real things. And we call them grey matters because life is not black or white. What's fascinating though is you can, we give people these scenarios that are really straightforward and you get a diverse range of views, even if you think, well, that's so straightforward. Now, one of the scenarios involves uh, someone with a CV who you later discover isn't such a, isn't the correct CV. Now, that's a fairly straightforward element, you'd have thought. So you've got a, someone on a CV who's lied. But then it sort of turns out he's been with you for a long time. In fact, he's quite a good employee. And he admits that he was, when you ask him, so what are you going to do? Are you going to throw him out? Are you going to let him resign? Are you going to say it doesn't matter? Uh, we get absolutely all range of views and all range of discussion. Uh, and then we pull it all out and some other points come together. 
I'm not going to reveal how the, the answer is. You've got to come to the workshop for that. But those sort of debates and discussions are really good. And people leave there. They certainly left the last three we've done saying, do you know, I really learned something. Oh, that's great. Um, we've carried out some research that shows how consumers are wanting a more professional approach to banking. Um, 13% of the respondents said that they would definitely change to a bank where more employees were professionally qualified. Does that tally with what you're finding in the UK and the rest of the world? Tells what you mean by professional. I mean, 30% I think is actually a bit low, uh, really. I mean, what consumers want is fairness, basically, and fairness in two ways. Fairness in the sense of they're being treated fairly when they go into a bank and transact with a bank or a financial advisor, and fairness that the product they are buying is fair. And I think we're seeing a great change towards stakeholders rather than shareholders. So what that means is that the banks are really now, I think, understanding that the ideas of the Jack Welsh um, shareholder maxim, return on equity was the be-all and end-all, is gone. Even Jack Welsh converted about that. This is about making sure you address and deal and help and answer uh, all stakeholders. So stakeholders include customers, they include staff, they include society. And I think they're seeing a, people are seeing a rebalance. So you're moving away from overexcited returns. You know, gone are the days we're getting 18, 20% ROE. You're going to talk here about banks returning a return on equity of about 10 to 12%. Very different. And that is sustainable rather than a short-term dash for cash. So I, I think people are saying, if you show me a bank that is more ethical, they'll use that word, or rather treats me fairly, I'll go to that. That's what we're, that's what we're certainly seeing. Excellent. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, on that, do you think it is beneficial for the industry to take leadership now on professionalism rather than waiting for the findings of the Royal Commission? Absolutely. I mean, this is where leadership is needed. This is where, this is what the Finisher should be doing. Um, very, you are very strong advocates of professionalism. Get out there and advocate. You know, hence, one of the things we've decided today, uh, or rather this, while I've been here this week, is Pinter is going to run these integrity programs. I mean, that's great. Those are the sort of things. Make a noise. Stand up for what you believe in. Um, and uh, leadership is required here for professionalism. And now is the time. So thank you, Simon, for joining us today. And to all of our listeners, uh, for more information on Simon, you can access his interview via the Pinter website, www.fincia.com. Please subscribe to our podcast to keep up to date with future episodes. This concludes our podcast with Simon Colhane.